Welcome to Whatcha Wearing. On this episode, we are going to do some hot looks wow, what are they? What with are Michael they? Jordan, the Michael basketball player. No, Michael. That's why the B is there. Oh, he's not like Michael being Jordan. I love that. Um, no, but I have a feeling there is a connection to him being named that, but I don't know. Well, there must be. Yeah. Uh, then we have a fabulous word is velvet today. Nice. It's going to be shocked. I'm going to tell you so much about velvet. Yeah. You're going to wish from you. From the couch to the gown. From the couch to the gown. Yeah. And then you have a power player for us today. I do. Who is? Legendary. Uh, Norma Kamali. Norma Kamali. Yeah. It sounds like a. Um, um, yeah. Komodo. That's what I always think of. Komodo. Norma Komodo. I just imagine it'll be nothing but Komodos. But I, we don't I see ha- the connection. Do you see I the connection? Yeah. He is so nice to me. There is no connection. For now. For now. It's going to get real and real on what you're wearing. Hello, 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 hello. Hello, Mark. Hello, hello, William. Hello, happy listeners. Happy, happy. And viewers. We are so, we have so many people listening and watching this thing now. Are you nervous? We're going to need, we're going to need security. No, crazy. no. Yes, no. yes. So I see we're both having an Adidas moment. You're doing a little I run did DMC. have a walk this way moment. Yes, walk yes, this yes. way. And one of my uh, quotes, as everyone knows on social media, is walk for me. So there's always a reference to walking. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I see you're an Adidas. I'm also an Adidas. You I think we have different Adidas. You know, gold chain. You need three gold chains. This is like I feel like Wonder Bread. Like you're doing Run you're DMC, totally the and same I look like a bag of Wonder Bread. But that's the color scheme. I mean, I'm sure they did that on purpose. Uh, well, I, you know where I bought this? Where at the Adidas outlet in um, Ohio or something? And it was like eleven dollars. It's too spot on with the colors. That I I think it was probably pretty much a, had to have been like a, a campaign. bread promotional. I mean something, and I think the hood has like a whole. Return to fen- to vendor. That's RTW. Look at it. it's like a whole polka dot. Ha- I mean, I found. I was about to throw it away. I wish you had brought us lo- a whole loaf. Do they still make Wonder Bread? <laughs> I I would assume so. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I mean, Wonder Bread was not right. I used to get what, like really good white bread when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and take the crust off, and then take all the middle bread and mate, squeeze it real tight into a ball uh-huh. and eat it. Uh, we were poor. I don't know what you want me to do. That was like Poor fun. is not the issue. That's crazy. It's not crazy. I was hungry. I was hungry. Anyway, well, you know I'm wearing what? my- I'm At wearing that my... age, you had to make up things that it entertained you, right? It really does. And okay. you know, speaking of- I used to do weird things with ice cream, but go ahead. Uh, no. Tell us what you used to do with ice cream. Well, no. I would. I mean, you know when you're a kid in the kitchen discovering uh-huh. how to do things in the kitchen? Uh-huh. Simple things you're doing, you think, I'm cooking. I'm uh, creating something. Uh-huh. Blah, blah, blah. So I would take, like, Briar's vanilla ice cream, let it melt down a little bit. Then I'd take, like, vanilla extract. And then I'd take, like, uh, at the time, Intimates had uh, Louisiana crunch cake. I would crumble that in the blender and just blend it up. And I'd eat it with a spoon. But I, in my head, I thought it was creating like a culinary masterpiece. Right. You're like a pastry chef to yourself. I yeah. love that. I mean, you know, in hindsight, it was 
a bunch of mush. But, you know, in the moment. You know, it really is interesting what we do to ourselves and the way that we think we're some um, magical people sometimes. And I noticed that today in the elevator going to the gym. Uh Uh-oh. And I, um, first of all, yes, I went to the gym. Don't roll your eyes. Bravo, bravo. Um, You know, 40 minutes on the treadmill is better than nothing on the treadmill, just going to say. So, (laughs) I'm leaving the gym. I get in the, as I'm getting in the elevator, this woman walks out and it's, you know, so you're not going to hear this all yet today, but today's Halloween, the day we're actually taping this. Mm. So it's Halloween and this woman gets on the elevator and she's got these leggings on. She's petite. She's kind of round and she has that Dame Edna haircut from The Incredibles. Right, so she looks just like Edna. The oh, Edna, oh, Dame Edna. I thought she was. Oh, Dame Edna, isn't it that? Oh no, am I talking about the wrong person? But Edna, they're both Edna. Yeah, but yeah. One is a Dame, one is it? But <laughs> I know which one you're talking about. You're Dame talk- Edna, she's amazing. Uh, she is she's amazing. the Australian the purple hair performance. Oh my she's, gosh! Yeah, please. We might she, have to. Yeah, have GTS. a reason. We might have to have a reason to talk about her because we got to figure her out. Her style is is part of the. Fashion zeitgeist. I mean, drama, she is. Anyway, that, that, moment it's not Dame Anna. Anyway, yes. so this comes in. She's got this, you know, this great severe wig on, and this the whole. Bob, I was like, oh my, uh-huh. so cool. And then I was like, oh my god, that's actually just her hair, and this is just her look. It was not oh. even a Halloween costume. Oh. And then I'm getting into the elevator, and this girl's got like pink hair, and this like crop top, rock and rolly thing, and the studs everywhere. And I'm like, oh, this is that girl from Suicide Squad. How cool is that? And so then I talk, start talking to her, and I go, oh my gosh, it's so funny, Halloween, you know, you can't tell who's in a costume in LA and who's just, like, doing their thing. She goes, oh, I know. I mean, people think I'm dressed up, but this is just my hair. And I was like, oh, You're like, okay. I'm glad I didn't I say mean, anything. That's like three minutes, in three minutes, three seconds, there were two of those where I was like, wait, are you in a costume or are you just like doing your own thing in LA? Do you have that problem? <laughs> no, like in life, do you like, when you walk around, when you were walking around today, were there people that you're like, oh, well, it's, great costume. It's funny. I'm like, oh, you are a bumblebee. Oh, okay. No, but it's funny you say that. The sweatshirt that I had on last week. Last time we filmed the Balmain stripe, yeah, the Balmain. I wore that out for an evening. Oh, did they think you were Freddy Krueger? I got wow. I, is that a costume? I really love your costume. I'm like, <laughs> and then I was like, okay, that's one person, whatever. And then someone else said it. I'm like. What the hell? Right, and they're like, what's your costume? I'm like, oh my God, that was the best But this point. was last week, so it was like, I was a week early? It's just, uh, what oh, you Oh, people have been dressing up all week. And but the I Starbucks... think it was a reference to Waldo. Oh. I guess because of the stripes? I don't know. Uh, then, today at Starbucks, the girl was trying to explain to me, oh yeah, well, we're, sc- I'm, I'm Thelma, and, no, I'm Fred, and that's Thelma, and we're Wilma, Fred and Wilma, and Scooby-Doo, or whatever. Mm. I don't even know the Scooby-Doo characters. And I was like, oh... I told I did zero. So she looked the same. She always looks. Oh, my really? Starbucks barista. I was like, really? That's your. Con-? I mean, they had green aprons on, so it kind of covered everything. That's what was... she's always wearing. There was no hair color change. No, or... I just, I, 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 it's too hard now with people's, you know, Yikes. exorbitant amount of self-expression in their wardrobe. I'm here for it. I am. I am. But when it comes to Halloween, it becomes there's hard to be con- like. There's confusion. Unless you're like, you know, going to dress up like Barbie in the box or you're, you know, really going you for also, Dracula you know, you or a You also have witch. to be careful of your color combinations during certain times. Like, 
you know, around Halloween, you got to stay away from orange and green. And around Christmas, you got to stay away from green and red together. Like, you have to be real, you know. Yeah, but when are we wearing red and green together? I know last episode, you were well, trying to get me to wear orange with, like, green pants. Well, the same red and green is very typical of, of the Italian culture. So, it, you could be yeah. wanting it. But if you did the, if you did the red, green, and um, white together representing Italy, it might appear to be a Christmas homage. So yeah, but you'd have like an Italia badge on it that says Dolce & Gabbana. I'm like, Yeah, oh. but if you didn't have that, you wouldn't know. I guess. I was at Chanel today, and they were mm. asking about the podcast, and I was like, oh yeah, it's going great. You obviously don't listen, because mm. you would know how great it's going. And then she, Colin was like, oh, who do you do it with? He's Colin's like, still there. Colin is still there. Wow. Colin is like a legendary salesperson. I have person. been working with Colin at Chanel for 20 one years. And Colin said, um, who are you doing that with? I said, William Clark. He goes, William? Tell him hello. You mean William from Dolce? I'm like, <laughs> William was at Dolce 10 years ago. Well, that's what we initially met. Yeah. In Dolce days. I mean, I remember Colin was the new guy I, when I first started shopping. Chanel. Oh, really? Well, I was 99 when I first started oh, wow. shopping there. It's, it's been a minute, just going to say. I mean, Colin does everybody. He's like he? the, he's the foundation of that brand I mean, in LA. Yeah, he's a know. big seller. And he finds everything. He's my go-to. Like, if there's something I'm obsessed with and need to track down. He doesn't ever find anything for me. I'm like, I need this or this. He's like, oh, sold out. Well, I mean, I'm like, if you you're find too it? late, you're too late. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely always too late on that kind of stuff because I just, it's, I bought a beautiful evening bag today. Okay, nice. Oh my gosh, sequin beaded. Not for me, for my client. You should have brought it in. I would have wanted to see it. Uh, charge send, charge send oh, to okay, San Francisco. Okay. To San Francisco. Hello, Joanna. Hello, Joanna. Hi, Joanna. Hi, Joanna. Anyway, so that is my little take about I And I just found it to be a really funny theme for myself all day mm-hmm. running around like, you know, it's like, okay, they're a bumblebee or they're a whatever. And even like, you know, kids, mm-hmm. so much kids' pajamas and all that now, kids dress up all the time. Right. Right? You'll be at Trader Joe's in July and there's some girl dressed up like Cinderella. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of include that now. Mm-hmm. So dressing up is a different game. Yeah, these days for, for the sure. little female toddlers and the male. And the male. Yeah. And everything in between, yeah. as they say. Yeah. All right. What do you got for me for your Holt look? My Holt. We have got to fix that graphic, Tony. What? what I graphic? love you. What you graphic? Mi- I missed it. I mean, William's stuck looking at himself and his iPhone. No, I was what not. I was looking at my notes. Day, the graphic was up there for eighteen seconds. You didn't oh, like look up and see it. Down. It's like a, it's like a square uh-huh. with like weird waterfalls, and it's just not. It's not quite the Paris you imagine when you. It's not. You know, the opening is like right on for what you'd imagine from the music, uh-huh. and that's just not it. And I know Tony, who's uh, our sound guy, and this is his studio. I know that Tony is over there, like shut up. Shut up. But uh, if we gave you some direction, I'm sure you would do way better than just making things up. So that's what we're doing. We're going to give you some direction. And look, I'm wearing a long sleeve shirt so I can do this with my hands. I can wave my hands up there. Yay! Um, Anyway, that whole thing with my flappy arms. Okay, so Holt looks William. What you got? I have Mr. Michael B. Jordan at the Wakanda Forever premiere in Louis Vuitton. Mm. Um, This is actually the last... This is from the last collection from Virgil Abloh, who passed this year. Mm. Um, I love this. I love the the scale of it. I love the nod to uh, Virgil's background in uh, in architecture. So, yeah. what is it to describe it? Remember, because not everyone's oh, watching. it is basically 
<laughs> a very uh, how do I describe it? Uh, it's yellow. The so it's a school bus it's like yellow. A, it's, I'd say more canary yellow. It's school busy canary yellow. Uh, um, it's um, I would say a larger scale as far as the volume of. The coat. There's a coat that's in yellow that goes to the knee. Yeah, it's almost like a trench blazer. It's almost a trench, yeah. like without the belt. There's a really sexy white tank with it and a full uh, flat front pant. But the cool thing is, there's like a slit that goes from let's say the let's say the the ground in the front to about the knee. And I would assume that's probably velcroed. closed or button closed. And that's like we had on our last week's episode, a placket. You see? Oh my gosh! I see That's the placket. Bracket Look at the and the big and the big pockets on that jacket. The big pockets. I mean, it's a lot of suit though. It's gorgeous. It's it's it's. Got and it's probably stiff because all that a, Louis Vuitton fabric is stiff. It's yeah. It's a heavyweight wool, and it almost has a zoot suit vibe. But I love it. You know, with the sexy silver chain. I'm sure there's diamonds involved. It's yeah. high waisted. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I wonder I if I could wear that. And it's basically the coat to me looks like a, like you said, a, a nod to a trench situation. Yeah, but don't you think it's like an outerwear piece with a? I mean, um, I, I'm behind the pants. I think those pants with that t-shirt on him is beautiful. But don't I you think, think that it that, could be a hybrid. I think I, I see what you're saying. Clothes with a belt, yes, a coat. But open with a tank, it could be. And it also, it's a moment you want to capture on the carpet. So it it might not even be a, you know. An actual, yeah. It's interesting too as I look at it because there's also this a it's a high waisted mm-hmm. canary yellow mm-hmm. suit, mm-hmm. and the pants, even though they're high waisted, there's no belt on them. And I really no. think on a high waisted pant, you really can't do a belt right now. No, it'll look super. It looks super or, dated, don't you think? No, I think what could be cool on that, if a belt at all, a very very skinny belt. Yeah, but what do you do with a skinny belt and thick belt loops? Well, you'd have to take the belt loops. No, you can center it. No, it can be done. I mean, if you have a six pack, do you know what that would look like on me? It looked like one of those Punky Brewster looks, where it's well, like that's why cinched you... waist and the gathering. Well, that's and... why you would choose maybe a different color or a pattern. But or you could rock suits. that. Mm-mm. No, you could rock that. You mm. just change the hue of the color. No, no, I don't know. I mean, I could, I could see the pants. Oh, thank you, Tony. That is pants. a gorgeous shot. I mean, come on, you see, that is gorgeous. I mean, but that's an outerwear piece. I feel like but that like coat's that, outerwear. Worn like yeah. that, but if you open it up. Yeah, but if you did that big yellow trench, I'm totally behind the trench with like a straight denim underneath, it would be 10 times better to me. I know, but you're on the red carpet promoting your movie, so you I need mean, to be like, yeah, wow. Well, con- yeah. I mean, I was definitely wow. You got that. There you go. See? I was see? wow. I was wow. See, runway to the it red wasn't, carpet. It wasn't like, wow. It was like, wow. It's really what it was for me. Is that is that the same thing? Uh, well, my letters in WOW were capitalized. Yours, I guess, were not. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm like 100 years old with these glasses, but no. I can't see without them, so we're going to do that. All right. That's fabulous. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. So my hot look is one of my favorites. Now, as I was doing some research on this, because I knew Ticket to Paradise was coming out this last weekend, and that's George Clooney and uh, yes. Julia Robertson movie. And I heard it's just like a big warm hug. Like, it's, you know, very predictable, like all of that stuff. But then well, you know, we need, we need them together we on do. camera. Yeah, we, we do. Yeah. So um, as I was looking this up, I found this old image from 20 years ago when Julia Roberts was on the Notting Hill premiere wearing a red strapless dress, rocking hairy armpits. And I had never seen it. And I was there's all this literature about the scandal it was. It was 2002, and it was like this whole, as a 20-year anniversary. Do you remember this? 
Vaguely. I, vaguely, I, yeah. I, anyway, it was so well, you funny. you know, did the same there thing. There were like articles and articles of Julia Roberts in like furry underarms going. But you know who did the same thing in the height of her glamour in the who? 50s? Sophia Loren. Uh, well, but she's Italian. She has a hairy back, too, probably. <gasps> I didn't say that. <laughs> he did. Sophia Loren is amazing, as we know. She but I think that it's royalty. also a cultural thing versus, like, the all-American girl in 2002, right? Who? Yeah, but... I, I don't know. I just thought it was a really... There. But you know what? I, what, I the, mean, what the thing is, is we needed to stop with the that quote, all American. She's she is American and that's authentically who she is. So she's yeah. like, Hey, what's up, you guys? Yeah, no, I, I and I I look, I And that was the, probably early in her career. So she's like, Hey, I'm happy to be here. What's up? You I know, like, she's not like I, I, I I'm totally down for it. I think she's great. I love I actually love her. I just thought it was interesting because I'd not I'd Either I'd completely forgotten the scandal, much like I forgot the conversation from last week. But like I was, but I was honestly, just like, what? I don't, I don't remember that being. I kind of, but I don't remember. It was a big deal. It was a big deal. Oh wow! Anyway, so for this premiere, she wore a beautiful, and I, you know, I like pretty. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful um, gown um, by Greta Constantine. Really? And, I yep. said so. Okay. And I don't even know who that is. Do you know who that is? I don't know. It must Greta be Greta Constantine. Yeah, no. it must be her stylist or someone that's doing boutique atelier stuff. But the glowing face she has, um, she's got this glowing face. So it's, it's a vibrant fuchsia pink dress. It's a lower neck than I normally do, but it's matched with a beautiful, matched with a beautiful um, puffy shoulder to the ground, an interfacing that goes all the way around the hem of the dress. So it has this. She looks like a um, like a cake topper basically, and she's got these big gorgeous earrings, and she matches the color of the carpet. She matches the color of the flowers behind her. She looks happy. She looks elegant. She must be sixty now. Uh-huh. Right, uh-huh. and she just doesn't. She just looks amazing. She looks happy, and I also like so many of the images. I don't we, think she's sixty, though. I no. think so. Fifties. No, because because um, what's her face? The um, where she put a uh, pretty woman. Mm-hmm. That was like the late eighties. Yeah, and that's thirty years a, ago. Okay, well, she's in the twenties, so yeah. So fifty-eight, yeah. sixty. Okay, well, Tony says she's 55, but that's her online We'll age. see. Okay, I have right. an online weight. Thank is that you, the Tony. same thing? I have an online weight. Thank you, Tony. I own my age, but my weight is definitely not the same online as it is right here in this room. Um, anyway, I just loved that. And I also love that when you look at the images, when you Google her for this event, there was very few images of her standing alone. And all the images of her and George just holding on to each other. And George Clooney just looks at her with such adoration. Mm-hmm. And it just makes you, it's like such a clean, beautiful thing. Because you're like, there's clearly nothing going on there. But well, it's they've like... Been wor- they've been worked... They're work- just friends. They've been worked, you know, working together for... Decades. Decades. Yeah. So they're like beyond I just family love, at this I love point. seeing that. Anyway, that's my... I that's actually, my, it's interesting. I actually thought that was Valentino. Until you just said it was not. Oh wow! Yeah, it's kind it's of that the, pink world that you've been liking. It's like the same pink. Yeah, it's the same. But that pink. big bright color, and I think it's really referencing jewel tones for fall. And I think the jewel tones are really important everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's lots of the pinks and the purples and all of that mm-hmm. going on. So anyway, that is my hot look. Yes. And now I got you some all. I got all y'all. I got for y'all. What you got? What you got? I got some vocabulary. Uh-
It's a very 80s but it's. I, I was just about to say Save by the Bell. It's like such a little Save by the Bell graphic. So the today's vocabulary word is velvet. Not velvita, not velveteen rabbit, but velvet. Velveteen rabbit. Do you remember the velveteen rabbit? What is that? It's a story about a plush animal rabbit that was elegant. I don't remember. Oh, okay. The velveteen rabbit. Anyway. Okay, nice. So... For this particular um, topic, I actually online went to the Masterclass website. Okay. And Masterclass, have you ever done a Masterclass? I have not. So Masterclass is this online thing. They do like Mark Jacobs has classes and Anna Wintour these classes. And you can learn from them about all sorts of different things. It's like, it's legit. It's like two or three hundred bucks a class. And you can learn about how to sew, how to create, how to... Mm -hmm. All sorts of things. So this master class. So um, I, uh, they had a wonderful description there on velvet. So this is really where I t- took that from. So I want to give them credit because it was way more information here than I thought I was going to share with you today. Mm. So here it goes. So first of all, there's a term used for the fabric called pile. So pile is the fibers that create any material. So like if you look at a velvet and how velvet has that that uh, softness to it, the pile are the fibers that make up the velvet. So those little they're all approximately half centimeter. So velvet is a soft luxurious fabric characterized by a dense pile. So that's the word's pile. So it's like a dense pile of evenly cut fibers that have a smooth nap. So it has a unique, soft, and shiny appearance due to the um, smart pile fibers. So it's all about these little fibers and how they're you know put together. And what right. they use for the fibers is the other part that's really interesting. Because when you say pile, I, my brain automatically goes to carpeting. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, it's the concept of carpet. Yeah, if you well, hairs, think about a carpet. You know? Like, think about a carpet, right? You think about like a shag carpet, mm-hmm. and a shag carpet. The shag could be two inches mm-hmm. or one inch or whatever. Well, velvet is just like that, coming mm-hmm. from the base of it, but it's a half centimeter, so it's like super, super short. Right, and it's made and and duplicate at the same time. So none of that is that. It got super technical about the manufacture of it, all that. So, are you ready? Yeah. First, it was only silk. So all the fibers that were used were silk fibers. So half centimeter silk fibers. It was so expensive to make. (laughs) It was only the royals and the nobility that could that could have it. It was first introduced in 750 AD. Oh wow! 750 AD was the first velvet. And tell me what city that was. I would give you twenty dollars cash if you can tell me what city was the first city that. Velvet was in. I'm almost tempted to go somewhere in Africa, maybe? Baghdad, Iraq. <gasps> see? I mean, I'm kind of... Come on. I could see Geography? That. Geography. Baghdad. Like Baghdad. Baghdad! Yeah. I was like, wow. Uh-huh. So, um, 750 Baghdad. Now, during the Renaissance, which is sometime after that, apparently. Amongst nobility, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. But at the time, it was the Middle East. So all of those, it's still the Middle East. But at the time, it was the Middle Eastern things were imp- exported to all of Europe and all of Northern Europe and mm-hmm. Southern Europe and, you know, Northern Africa where all, all of the royals were, right? And all the territories were. So during the Renaissance, looms were created that made production easier. So before that, it was all done by hand. Okay, so looms were created that made production even easier, and in in Florence, Italy, Mm -hmm. 
is where the first looms were. And then that became the dominant velvet production center of yeah. Florence. So then I'm like, okay, now I kind of get it, right? And there are there is a vel an animal print velvet printer in Florence that mm. still makes their fabric a velvet animal print. And it is, I want to say it's 2,000 a yard. But you can yeah. get it. But it takes like days to make a yard. Yeah. It's crazy yeah. what they're still doing in the original looms. <clears throat> Silk velvet is very expensive, right? So, like, if I mean, I buy a lot of velvet from Giorgio Armani, right? Yeah. For my clients. Oh, yeah. And they're like silk. So, I'm assuming, but most silk velvets are actually made with some rayon blended in there. But to your point, it being silk in, woven into the velvet, the drape is way more beautiful. Oh, the drape when you get. Because the stiffer you get out of silk, the harder it is oh, for it to fall. Just, well, know? that's because there's seven different types of velvet. Yeah, see. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, um, the first velvet, okay, I'm just going to, uh, let me go through the seven velvet. Uh-huh. So each fiber is cut to a half inch, so I, which I said before, and the even pile height is what gives velvet its distinction. So having the pile height be exactly the same for all of it is what gives it its distinction. Mm-hmm. Now there are seven different types of velvet. Number one is crushed velvet, mm-hmm. okay? And it's, it's um, crushed velvet is pressed and squeezed mm-hmm. as it's made to give it a permanent uh, wrinkle or texture to mm-hmm. it. Then there's pane, which Oof, is the p- pile pasted, uh, is all pushed in one direction. Mm-hmm. So that kind of velvet means that all of the um, fibers mm-hmm. are like aiming downward or aiming upward exactly. or they're all going a direction. Exactly. Embossed velvet is velvet that's been printed with a heat stamp. Um, sisel cutting um, sisel is called Cecil, 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 whatever. Um, cutting looped threads to make a pattern. So they take all those loose threads and they make a pattern out of what's cut and what's not cut. Then plain velvet, which is cotton. So it uses cotton, no stretch, and no shine. So that's, but cheap. that's like a, re- it's cheap. cheap. It's like Ikea velvet. Like all the furniture at Ikea has used yeah. that velvet. Um, yeah. I bet you a lot of like anthropology velvet jackets are that kind of velvet. Yeah. Right? Because that brings the price point down. Way yeah. down. But, and it's still luxurious looking no, and sure. great feeling fabric, sure. right? And then um, stretch velvet. You just add some spandex. Add spandex to everything. And pile on pile. <laughs> now that we know what a pile is. And that's different lengths of piles to create a pattern. Mm-hmm. Now, I used the um, the one that I've really um, noticed using that pile on pile is Alexander McQueen. He's got all these jackets right now that are printed velvets, and then they have some part higher than other parts, and so mm. that gives it this pile and pile. Mm. Really interesting look at the velvet. I, I found it to be a really... Um, fascinating fabric to understand because I think mm-hmm. it's really telling a story from, you know, when you think of something evolving from 750. Now, there are a lot of velvet applications in upholstery. Oh, yeah. Right? So there's <clears throat> chairs, there's... And and if you think back, just think about this for a second, you think back to the root of velvet. So the root mm-hmm. of velvet is royals and nobility. Right. So red velvet... Mm-hmm. It means nobility, it means uh-huh. royals, it means high society, uh-huh. right? So, Like the Queen's Cape. Right? Uh-huh. And then think about it from here. Movie theaters, 
all theaters oh, yeah. have a red velvet curtain. Yes. Mm-hmm. The um, red velvet ropes. Ropes. The yeah. red ropes to get into a party. You can't cross this rope. Right, Those right, are red right. velvet. Uh-huh. Right. And the velvet represents nobility. Like it's really interesting. Yeah. And it's like an implied understanding. Yeah. Like we know when we see red velvet ropes, oh, there's something fancy in there. Uh-huh. But it's just so indoctrinated into us, right. like why it is that way. Right. So notice how velvet can be used and is being used around you to control you. It's funny you say that. I grew up uh, around very, very, very wealthy families in Scarsdale and in Westchester. And some of their homes were very grand homes, like uh, sitting rooms, piano rooms, libraries, blah, 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 blah. And when there were parties at these homes, what they would do in, like I guess, a discreet way they would do. They would drape uh, velvet ropes across the staircase, and that was a symbol. You are not to go upstairs. Right. <laughs> and don't you go saw upstairs. It. Yeah. Don't go you upstairs. You saw it. And you're like, okay, I guess I'm supposed to stay down here. <laughs> right. You're a peasant. Stay down here. <laughs> don't mess up my house. Yeah. Don't touch. I don't my want house. these kids running through my house after they got out of the pool. Yeah. You know, exactly. Stuff like exactly. that. Exactly. But it's amazing that the way that it's used. And then if you start thinking about the colored velvets and trying to. Like a white velvet or a green. I saw. I worked with a green velvet dress tonight, which uh-huh. was amazing, uh, from Max Mara actually, Ooh. and it was it was lovely, and it just feels holiday. It feels special. It feels evening and dressy. But there, it's interesting mm-hmm. that velvet ha- it has such a strong background of being elegant and yeah. opulent and, and wealthy. And in American fashion, you automatically. I mean, to me, I'm automatically think of the beginning of the holiday season. For sure. Season-wise, you know. For when sure. you get your holiday uh, collections from different designers, that's when you start to see velvet. So. Well, in Gucci, you know, I was in Gucci in July, and they had white linen and orange velvet, and they, ha- you know, they were mm. throwing velvet into everything. Mm. So it's an interesting, you know, I feel like they're just a mess and don't know what they're doing, but I think that the combination of all of it is is an interesting way to go. Oh, yeah. Put it that way. Oh, yeah. And that, ladies and gentlemen... It's velvet. 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 I don't know what that voice is I keep doing. It's kind of annoying. Okay, William is ready now for our power player. I mean, after well, that intro, I was like, you better have something good to I say. I was like, am I in a Disney promo? I mean, Is this the next movie? This better be a good, really, really good after that intro. I mean, she's amazing. Uh, our power player is the legendary Iconic. And I didn't actually realize how Iconic her brand was. Her name is Norma Kamali. Uh, oh, born Norma, Norma Araez. I don't know what that nationality is. It's A... R-R-A-E-Z. But we know her as Norma Kamali. She was born in 1945 on June 27th to the Upper East Side. So I'm assuming Upper East Side, that time, you're doing okay with money. So I would say she's at least, you know. She wasn't struggling. She wasn't struggling in the Upper East Side at that time. So she was an aspiring painter who was obsessed with Michelangelo. She definitely knew she wanted to be work in the arts. But her mother was like, well, whatever you choose to do, it better be something that makes money. Oh. So she's like, you know, in her head, I'm sure she wants to be a, a sculptor like Michelangelo. And- was that like your mom? Was your mom like, do whatever you want but make money? Um, no. 
I mean, it, was it, your mom it, like, "Oh, you're gonna be a model, move to Paris"? Great. Well, no, do the that. modeling thing happened as I was in college for fashion design. But even going to school in the arts was like, really? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Uh, okay, right. Okay. If 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 you say so. So, so she wasn't was, like a hundred percent like, "Yeah, go, William. We're so yeah." No, because you know my parents are from you know from education and medicine and like you know. It was a different. <laughs> it was a different trajectory that you wanted for your child. When I time. went, but they, from, they were they were supportive. Though. When I went from being pre med, mm-hmm. yes, Paging Doctor Harmon, Paging Doctor Harmon. When I went from pre med to fashion, it was you, you. You. It was not a pretty sight. No. My parents were pissed. No. They were just pissed. They're like, "What are you gonna do? No one's ever gonna pay you to go shopping. You need to get real about your life." Well, you never know. Look at us now. Ta da! Look at us now. So she was, a, you know, she was more of an artist. Um, she didn't dream of the fashion aspect of the business, but she got a scholarship to FIT, which is my alma mater. Hmm. And uh, she got, like I said, she got a scholarship there, and she really excelled in fashion illustration, life drawing, anatomy. Which makes sense with her obsession with Michelangelo. So at the time, you have to remember because this, Michelangelo painted the naked guy. Yeah, David. so it was all about bodies and musculature, and you know the body anatomy. Um, so you have to remember the era that she. So we're going from the '60s into the beginning of the '70s. So she's coming from the Mad Men era. So it's all about mm. hosiery, corsetry, bullet breasted uh, uh, bras and like it was more of a constriction of woman and she was more of a like severely banged jet black hair kind of almost goth kind of girl so she was just like I don't fit in and she even made a point of saying that at the time at FIT even the students were still stuck in that madman world right so she was kind of a, a rebel in at that time and but it was she, a man's world too oh it was a man's world for yeah. sure it was a man's world for sure so she actually got a freelance job for Northwest Orient Airlines, which was based in London, wow. believe it or not, between uh, 66 and 67. And at that moment, I guess I guess uh, London was ahead of us as far as liberating women and the change of fashion. Because she said when she was there, she felt at home. She was like, oh, okay. These yeah, guys are wearing shorter skirts. These guys are rebelling a little bit more. Okay. But let me ask you, don't you think that sometimes it has to do with where you're living in the States? Because, like, when I lived in Sweden in 91... For sure. I was coming from Central California. Mm-hmm. And Central California is just like the Midwest. It right. is a conservative, uh-huh. you know, um, simple place. Uh-huh. So going to Europe, it was, like, mind-blown. So had I come, had I gone to Sweden from in 91 from L.A. or San Francisco or New York... It would have been a different experience, right? Yeah. It would have been more yeah. open and more liberal. Right. And even like in LA, like let's say I lived in LA, if I lived with like conservative friends in Encino versus But we like, came along we came along later. You're talking about the sixties into the seventies where yeah, women yeah. weren't even in the no, workforce. You know I what totally mean? get that. I'm just saying that I think it's interesting like where you're where where exactly you're coming from in the States can also Absolutely. impact that. Because a Absolutely. lot of people get to Europe and like, oh yeah, this is like home. And mm-hmm. then other people are like, oh my God. Still people go to Europe and like they're they're so amazingly different over there. Yeah, but your average American still wants to go to Sizzler when they're in Tokyo. So I mean, they got, I mean that, they got that cheesy bread and all you can eat salad with blue cheese dressing. It's like you can't have everything exactly your Sizzler. way. Is it Sizzler that they're doing? Well, Japan? like, well, no. I said that to say that, like, a lot of Americans when they go to other cultures, they want. 
their right. Com- they still their comfort want, moments. They want their know. Starbucks. I'm guilty they of that. They want their McDonald's. You yeah. Know. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I'm guilty of that. When I moved to Paris in '91, I did. If I was homesick, I went to McDonald's. I, I know, know that's weird, but they're better. The French fries are better over there. And I will say they had they held out the longest for the deep fried apple pie, Le Pomme Frite. Le so Pomme Frite, oh, so good. The Pomme Frite in Paris are oh. like they're different. But now they're different potatoes, they, and different grease. But then they slowly made it just a slice of apple pie. I needed the deep fry situation. Wait, Pomme Frites are. French fries. Oh, what, French fries. Saying, uh, what are you, what are you talking about? What, what kind I of French you speaking sorry, about, I meant, man? I meant what? to say apple pie in French. Yeah, My but apologies. you did it. Well, how do you say apple pie in French, Mr. Chasson French? Chasson en pomme. Chasson en pomme. Chasson en pomme. Chasson en pomme. Chasse away. Go ahead. She just, just butchered it. Lan <laughs> <laughs> <Lon> bon. <laughs> So in 1967, actually, no, 1968, she married her husband, Mohammed Hussein Kamali. So that's where she got the Kamali name. And then she opened her own boutique on Madison Avenue. They don't really say where the funding came from, um, but I'm going to assume it was from her husband's family. Yeah, there's family money in there. You know. Sounds like it. So her boutique was literally like blocks away from other famed, famed designer of that time. And she was on Madison? Yeah. Wow, that's a couple that, of blocks away from Halston. That's quite a place to start. Yeah, that's why I'm like, okay, that's if you're opening a boutique as and, a new designer on Ma- Madison Avenue. And back then, I mean, mm-hmm. all, there wasn't Fifth Avenue wasn't the fashion. It was becoming because it, uh, she was, like I said, she was blocks away from Halston. So designers were starting to open their own boutiques on that block on Madison. Though. Yeah, right. But I'm saying it wasn't Fifth. A- like right now, Fifth Avenue has all that stuff. Has the- but for the longest time, though, Madison was the fashion block. Right. So Fifth saying- Avenue was more. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. So I'm saying that Madison Avenue is like the heart of fashion. A thousand percent. Right? Yes. Until the last fifteen years, really. A thousand percent. Right. So and like, I think... if you had a place on if you had a place on Madison, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was you, a serious situation. It was a serious situation. But from what I understand, it's it's starting to shift back. A lot of houses are shifting back to yeah. Madison. I, I heard that George Armani is closing their flagship thing on Fifth Avenue. Well, see, it's funny you say that. They originally the flagship like the shop for Armani was Madison. Well, it is now. There's the reopening and they're building. Are you ready for this? An Armani hotel, condominiums, restaurant, and full George Armani Back shop. on Madison. Back on Madison. See, I told you. He bought yeah. a whole block out and they're building out a whole yeah. magnificent thing. But they're leaving that Fifth Avenue because the Fifth Avenue just became very much touristy. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't get their real customers to go down to Fifth Avenue. No. That... I don't Honest, understand. Honestly, Bergdorf Goodman is that's, that's the, really the, good. Berg, Berg, Bergdorf's uh, that corner to, to, to that group of people from wanting that luxury as far as the fashion industry. They never went. That was the limit. 57th They're not going Street, down from there. Fifty Seventh Street was like the cutoff. They're like, like there is nothing down below Fifty Seventh Street. No. It's like crickets down there. For no, them. and I, I I had a feeling. I was like that that client's not going to go. My friend Cindy lives at eighty. Fourth and Broadway, somewhere okay. up there, eighty eighth okay. or something. And she will just—I mean, if you like, if I was laying on a street, bleeding Mm-mm. out at thirty fifth Street, she would send a car. She'll send a car. She's not going. No. She is not uh-uh. going south of uh-uh. Columbus Circle. No, no, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> so they, so um, Norma had a, like I said, had a shop very close to Halston. So Halston's, um, shall we say? How do I say this? Copied her? No, no, no. <laughs> wait, wait, it's coming. Uh-oh. Um, his, let's say, uh, escort 
slash new boyfriend, Victor Hugo, who's very famous. You mean part- the guy who wrote Les Mis? No, no. No, 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 no. Victor Hugo was a hooker, right? Well, he, well, he, <laughs> that's how his, that's how he began, but I think he weaseled his way into the upper echelon. <laughs> did it, haven't we all, William? <laughs> right. Well, not quite like he did, but he, cha, cha, cha. he went from being basically a, a hustler to being Halston's lover. Oh, and that's a huge, right. And a huge influence on his direction, design wise, became basically his lead um, visual merchandiser had a lot to do with his designs ideas. Yeah, I saw that series with him. He was so not, he, he beca- was not he was not depicted in a in a Well, he was light. he he was shady and ma- manipulative. Yeah. But anyway, it's to speak of manipulative. Um he became very very friendly with Norma. So he became Norma being a avid swimmer herself, she really excelled in designing in the beginning swimsuits. So uh he became obsessed with a certain swimsuit that she did that was made out of one fabric, no zips, no hook and eyes, just one piece and solid. Now, mind you, this is a time, the 60s going into the 70s, so bathing suits were not uh, cut. The leg was never cut up above, like, the hip bone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were always in, like, florals and palm prints. They were, yeah, they, they were, were never lady. They were never sexy or solid. Yep. So Norma basically introduced that. Victor became obsessed with it, and I guess during one evening, I guess, of pillow talk, or had mentioned it to Halston, next thing uh, Miss Kamali noticed is on the cover of Time magazine was a bathing suit by Halston, but it looked exactly like hers. So she's like, uh, really? So she was super upset. With Victor, and then one time, while Halston was out, I mean, of, I just don't even. I don't like Victor. What? Well, he would. He, just, he did Victor. a lot of shady things, but he did do something to, that did redeem himself. He invited her to come over to Halston's uh, penthouse one night while Halston was out of the country. So Norma's like, I'm not coming over there. After what just happened, it's not happening. He's like, just come over. I want to apologize for what I did. I, I, I'll make it up to you, I promise. So he invites her over, and he inter- introduced her to the concept of using parachutes. Okay. So she, since a lot of her ideas in the beginning came from Army-Navy stores, like she started doing, um, her first samples were made out of sleeping bags and, and uh, Army surplus bank blankets. She was like, okay, I'll try this idea. This idea was probably what made her career at its pinnacle in the 80s mm. because she did um, the parachute pulls on jackets, which would change the length of jackets. It would change the length of uh, sleeves, as you can see here in this. This is a parachute dress. Right. So, so you see, you could manipulate. nylon. Right. And gathered it to give it an effect of like ruching. Right. And she would use the entire uh, parachute. So it was a huge gown, but with the gathering, use the pulls, you can see you can make it as short as you want, make it as long as you want. So she did tons of components of this, mm. like skirts, tunics, jackets. And this made her her name and her voice huge in the fashion industry. Um, In 1976, I didn't even realize this. The poster that was on everyone's wall, every teenage boy's wall, was Farrah Fawcett. I didn't realize that bathing suit was Norma Kamali. Oh, Farrah. She also did the famous uh, bathing suit that Whitney Houston wore on her first album cover on the inside. That's Norma Kamala. You see the high cut of the leg? Ooh, Whitney. It never went up that high. And that was her, you know, her sexy moment. Oh, my God. That album was great. Yeah. <laughs> 1976, unfortunately, she divorced from Mr. 
Kamali. But she launched her own brand called On My Own with a mere about $100 in the bank. But oh, so I, the divorce did not go well for her. I mean, that's that, I mean, basically that's what she said. But I'm sure at that at that time she had become friends with enough people that were yeah, and also it could be like a hundred dollars in the business account, but she could have definitely had pulled money out right. and been living her best life without that. Right, but also a, a smart thing, and I didn't realize this in, until like now. Her approach to her brand did not cost as much, meaning like they didn't spend a fortune on. Uh, zippers and grommets mm-hmm. and like you know stuff to make pieces because all of her pieces were one fabric and you kind of had to manipulate it by but if you think about William if you and I had a shop and we were designing things we would for sure kill each other but if we mm-hmm. had a shop we were designing things and we had our own sewers and mm-hmm. our own materials and just kept putting things on the floor like that uh-huh. think of how much expense you could get rid of because right now people are eating it because they have to buy 7,500 sweaters uh-huh. and try and sell them all right Right, and no one has 100% sell through on that kind of stuff right. and it, you know a net can pull or whatever can happen right. so it's like there's a there's a lean leanness to it sounds like to the way she was running her business. And honestly you know she being a swimmer she got the idea to start using sweatshirt material because she she would always borrow her brother's sweatshirts Mm. you know when she wanted to cover up after coming out of the pool and she had said in an interview at the time the only place you could get sweatshirts were either the boys department or again army navy stores. It wasn't as Sweatshirts wasn't as prevalent then as we see it now. It's I mean, like everywhere now. But it, it, it sounds like she was like the like the the grand dame of leisure wear. Really, it's funny you say that. She kind of began the athleisure world. Yeah, that you know, dress fashion, one yeah. way from morning till night without having to go home. Yeah, you know. So she basically began that. Uh, she was introduced by Richard Avedon mm. to Twyla Tharp. Which oh, yeah. was the uber, uber famous modern dance choreographer. And she designed, I believe, eight or nine of her productions. Wow. Uh, she was the first. She designed the costumes for eight or nine of her productions. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Because uh, it's sh- a different thing to design the production versus design. No, no, no. Just okay. the costumes. The costumes. <laughs> I mean, some no. people cross over. We know some people get in everything. But no, okay, no, no. The costumes. Okay, great. Um, she was. And you listen, she came up in a time that was all about the people you surround yourself with. So. She was introduced uh, to Dinah Veerland, who asked her to design some of her parachute looks for the Met, the costume exhibition. Mm, nice. And at the time, she was the first female living designer asked to do that. Uh, I guess up until then, it was all designers that had passed away. Mm. Uh, another friend, Ian Schrager, yeah. of the famed Studio 54, asked her to design Grace Jones's costume for the first New Year's Eve party at Studio 54. Wow. Yes. Ian Schrager, is he the guy from that owns like the Mondrian Hotels and all that stuff? Yeah. Uh-huh. A friend and a client of mine from the 90s in New York, yes. Yes. Um, so many fancy friends. Ah, uh, you know. You know. So, uh, again, it w- the thing that was so amazing about her creativity is like she came up with ideas from things she was dealing with, like that whole sweatshirt, sweatshirt situation. That came from being too cold at the pool. Which wow. which made it huge, and of course she added in the eighties the shoulder pads. She was the one that did the look Jennifer Beals is wearing in the opening of Flashdance, okay. and a style that's copied a thousand times in editorials. Like a, a Julia Julia Roberts did it. Um, Jennifer Lopez is now doing it. You know that vibe. Um, and she kind of made it famous to use the sweatshirt material in 
silhouettes that were normally dressier. So, like, the flounced skirts, like, you would yeah. normally see mermaidy skirts you'd see, like, in the evening. She did in cotton. And you can see an example of this. She designed the whole video for Shaka Khan, I Feel For You. I didn't know that. Wow. She did that, yes. She was the first designer in history to create an online store on something called eBay. What? Yeah, she was the first designer. Wow. Uh-huh. I mean, uh-huh. I just remember the internet was new. And people are like, no one is ever going to buy lipstick on the internet. That's crazy. I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah. Of course, I was the one saying no one's ever going to buy lipstick on the internet. Yeah. I still, I'm still fascinated. You know, you're, you're witnessing things happen, and you don't know why they're happening. The whole thing of the bathing suit thing, I had no idea. I didn't know prior to her, bathing suits were never solid colors. Yeah, I mean, I think I didn't know that, that there was, I mean, there was some of that. But I think that it was, it was really about lady and about mm-hmm. ruffles and coverage. And you, it was just, you couldn't go and show your whole self. And she actually had, she actually had made a, a statement in an interview that she said she came up in a time where women were trying to be taken seriously in the workforce, but didn't want you to be focusing on their legs or looking at their butts. So they, this thing of like the exposed shoulder or shoulder pads was them trying to manipulate the visual of women in the workplace without being objective. Well, the 80s was all about that big boxy suit, the shoulder pad, because uh-huh. they wanted to compete with men and they didn't want to look weak. They want to look strong. Uh-huh. They want to look secure. They want to look powerful. Uh-huh. I mean, that's why Gina Versace did a killer, amazing, amazing work suit. Oh, anyway, the power suit. Like, oh, ah, yeah. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. The power suit. You know what's interesting about Norma Kamali is I never bought any of her stuff for my clients, ever. I have to I say, I do. Old. I was too young right. because I think that by the time the peak of her was really the 80s. 80s and, and 90s. Yeah. 80s and early 90s. Yeah. And I was kind of just, I just started my business when I was 95. Right. So 94, 95. So it wasn't, I just wasn't really interacting with her right. product. And by the time I had like my real clients and going, it just, it, she was kind of not in business. And again, it was cool. Like another concept she came up with was the sleeping bag coat, which is super famous. Gaga's wearing it now. Everyone has one. I wish I had gotten one. She came up with this idea from, I know this sounds weird, but she had gone camping a lot. And there was a time she was, she was in the woods and she had to go, you know, because there's no restrooms in the woods. So she had to go to the restroom and she didn't want to freeze. So she's like, I'm going to wear my, my sleeping bag. I mean, this looks like Comme des Garçons. This looks like Ray Kawakubo cocktail dress, by the way. Exactly. It's like this big, if you're, if you're, if you're just listening, this, like, what we're seeing is an image of this woman with bangs. Severe bangs. Severe bangs and a big downfilled fuchsia pink, crazy looking, or cranberry maybe, like coat that is, it is just like a sleeping bag wrapped around her. And she's the the only woman in fashion that still owns her own name and company. Is she still alive? Yeah. She's 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 early 70s. She's still doing it. Where do you buy her stuff now? She has a store. Where? uh, Back on Madison. Really? Um, Yep. We and must of go. course, online we, we must, must go. go. We must but go. I really wish I'd gotten a, a, a sleeping bag coat because, uh, and you still can. So that's something I need to get on top of. Um, 2016, she got the CFDA Joffrey Bean Lifetime Achievement mm. Award presented to her by Mr. Michael Kors. So that was an amazing uh. moment for her. But I just, I just am impressed by her resilience because this is a woman that's in her early 70s. She found love again in her late 60s, and she still looks like that and is a creative force. So She's got a great little body on her. Kudos. Look, I mean, come on. I mean, I, I want to do that, do that at 70. I want to do that anytime. I, I mean, have never look been able to. that. There is like, right now we're looking at this picture of she's like holding her foot up, doing a big Straight split. Straight up in the air. And, and like in the dance chair. world, we call it the six o'clock. 
So yeah. one foot's on the floor, the yeah. other foot is at 12. I would be like, it'd be at the 12 o'clock, because I'd be like <laughs> flat on my back. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Thank yeah. you so much for all that. Yeah. Hi, Norma. Miss Come Norma, say hi come sometime. Out. Yes, we that would be her. an honor. That would be an honor. All right, so, William, one last thing. Yes, what's that? So, dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, we, we just have to say something about okay, let's all this Kanye it. thing. Yes, okay. I mean, mm-hmm. you know... I'm with you. I don't want to give a bunch of wind and air to something. You know, like fires only burn if you give them oxygen, right? Oh, ooh, good. Oh, that was good. So yeah. I don't really want to give a bunch of that, but I think it's important that we have a point of view about it because everyone is talking about it. So, <laughs> Absolutely. So Kanye mm-hmm. is, you know, has made some some um, anti-Semitic comments, which is no surprise. Which is no surprise, and um, has been removed from all of his as he should contracts, right? As he should. It took a little too long for his antics, but at least we're seeing a result, and there's there's a there's a backlash to his behavior. Right now, my question for you is: yes. Do you think that the backlash came because these corporations, these fashion? Because here's the thing about fashion: like yeah. we love a Norma Kamali and her shop on Madison and the small business of all that, right? right? Uh-huh. But then there's corporations: yeah. the Balenciagas, the Adidas's, the billion dollar, like all Just that stuff. Financial people, right? So. Did those financial people somehow get morality, or oh, no. uh-uh. did those people oh, just no. see? I mean, in a perfect world, I would love that to be the case, but this affected their wallet, and right? That's why so they... people stopped buying it, and they yeah. were threatening yeah. to like, boycotts and yes. all of that stuff. Yes, and that's so that's where they finally let them go. Yes, and I think that the point for me on that is that you, I always tell my clients this: every dollar you spend is a vote. A hundred percent. So when you're out in the world spending your money, you're voting. And 100%. so you want to, what are you voting for? A hundred percent. Research what you're voting Research for. Research what you're voting for. Yeah. What are you voting for? Because if you're putting your money into certain things, they're funding things that you don't want to be funding. Right. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. So, you know, I hope he gets the um, therapy and treatment that he needs. I mean, um, and I also hope that this is a lesson for the fashion industry to not be such a slave to celebrity that they will get in bed with anyone and they to did. sell something. And I, oh, I, I mean, was, you got to do your research. I was before. watching SNL and they were talking about it and they said, made a comment like, and then TJ Maxx announced that he, not, he had a deal with TJ Maxx. <laughs> that was a shock to me. Right? And then they said so all these brands that they had deals with, he was like, we had a brand, we, we had a deal, he had a deal, he had a deal. And, yeah. and then it was just like, wow, they're, you know, broad clips. And then apparently he went into Skechers and he said, "Hey, I'm ready to do a deal with you." And da da da. da and no. Skechers kicked him out and no. said, um, first of all, the CEO of this company and owner is a Jewish man who's absolutely not doing business with you. You'll need to leave." I mean, he came. It was like, but the thing is, the the, the Jewish community is a huge presence in the apparel business. Yeah. So it's the last business that you want to alienate or be to talk like that about. Yeah, people. but I mean, yeah, I, I, mean I think that we're at a particular place in culture, right? Uh-huh. That it, I don't know that there's, I don't think that he could have said that about black people. I don't think he could have said that about. He's, he's, but he he has offended everyone. This, right. That's, this is just another. So why group is of people to offend? <laughs> like it was. That's why I was like, why is everyone up in arms now? Like he's this is what he's been doing. Right. So you finally, know? finally, finally, it was enough yeah. that he was kicked out. I mean, it'll be God. interesting to see what, there will be some brand that will take him on, like For an sure. opportunity. But there it are won't, still people that think he's great. But it won't be the platform of, of that height. 
It right. won't. It won't be. They said that in the two days that he lost Balenciaga and Adidas and that that uh-huh. his net worth was down four hundred million dollars. I think his management dropped him. The, management dropped yeah, him. He's, the he's on his own him. now. Yeah. There's, there's no. Yeah, but it was like four. It's it's like he lost four hundred million dollars. Yeah. So and they and said he got he, knocked off this said Forbes whatever list billionaire please. Yeah. Ugh, one more Billy. Yeah. All right. Yes. Thank you all so much for listening to us. And, thank you, and thank if you're you. watching us, watch us. And if you um, like us, like us. And we cannot wait to see you again. Yes. Talk to you again. Be with you again. Yes. On What, what You're, you're wearing. wearing.